little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Welcome, Talk Catholic, the website.com, your host, Tim Kilcoyne. No agendas here, just the straight and narrow, through Mary to Jesus, the Catholic faith proclaimed and preserved. Hope to see you here every week. Blessings of Christmas. Tim Kilcoyne, Talk Catholic, and Christmas is upon us. Time to give it back to the baby Jesus. And I was thinking of the spirit of Christmas a few weeks back in starting my Christmas movie marathon, and I would highly recommend, ladies and gentlemen, that you grab on to two movies, one of the old and one of the new, and a perfect illustration that if it's good and true, it's to be passed on, just like our faith. And I was looking at one of my mom's favorite actresses of the older yesteryear, Loretta Young, and Cary Grant in A Bishop's Wife, 1947. Indeed, a very good year. And it can be. It can be. Still. Because when you see and sense the Holy Spirit of both of these movies, you will begin to realize that all this baloney about, well, those values are of the old days, you're living in a museum, or, you know, that kind of, that's what the liberal always wants to say, because they're trying to justify their only present immorality, and they do it in every era called the modern era, and there are the overwhelming majority of God's people who are just living simple lives, staying in the shadows a bit, maybe too much, But nevertheless, they're just trying to live their simple faith. And they hold on to these values, even though they may not publicize them. And they make them happen, even in the current insanity of wokeism. Old values lived currently. Oh, how dare they? The other movie is called A Veteran's Christmas. And this was with Sean Farris and Eloise Mumford. And did you ever notice some of these cable networks that are showing us Christmas movies back in late October? And as we know, there are some retailers that keep the Christmas stuff out there all year round 365. I wonder why. Goodness sells. Yes, indeed. Goodness and truth are always in vogue, are always marketable in every which way. So in any event, in The Bishop's Wife, it is the imagination not run wild, but appropriately. At this time of the year, where kind of similar to It's a Wonderful Life, an angel makes his debut in Cary Grant, and he goes to a bishop who seems to have lost his way as to why he's a bishop. And I'm not, <laughs> I didn't purposely try to draw the correlations here. All right, let's be generic about this, but given the nonsense that's been going on in the, the higher echelon of our church, It is ever apropos. And this bishop was all caught up in building a massive cathedral and spending tons of money when the overwhelming majority of the people were, you know, living in pretty dire conditions, paycheck to paycheck. This is not ancient history. In need. And so he had his priorities upside down 
and this was a Protestant minister. So he had a wife, and uh, their marriage was not doing well, and he was just turning into the busy bee. Oh, the busy bee. We got a lot of them, and you can rest assured that they're hiding. They're hiding something that they don't want others to know about, mostly they don't want themselves to know about. And these people, as I've said in the past, they can be in ministry, they can be in any secular walk of life, but they're hiding. They're not being themselves. And so there was a need. The bishop was crying out for help to get money for the cathedral. And the angel was sent to him to try to get his priorities intact. And so the angel went on a little expedition with the both of them to try to show them how life can still be grand. And he went skating with the bishop's wife and brought her back to her childhood days, and she thought she was in a fairy tale. And then he definitely was firm with the bishop and helping him to see his wife and his people, God's people. He was pointing out that he was not doing much good for our Lord if he doesn't get the priorities straight. And it's all about, at the end of the movie, there was just this magnificent sermon given by the bishop after the angel left and he was converted about the empty stocking that was for the baby Jesus. Everybody got their stuff in their stockings, but there was always this one stocking that was empty because the baby Jesus was forgotten. And what was it that we are to fill that up with? Kindness, love and joy, generosity. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are the very gifts of that Christmas tree. So let's make sure we get our priorities straight tomorrow night when we look at that beautiful tree and remember its true meaning for the Christ child. O come, O come, Emmanuel. And then in the second movie, A Veteran's Christmas, just a very beautiful depiction of small town life in the Midwest, a little place referred to as Rivers Crossing. You get the impression it might be up in the Dakotas somewhere. And the people knew each other. Even in 2018, which is when this movie was made, a young man that was a lawyer turned judge, and he was loved by everybody in town. But he had an opportunity to go to the big city, Chicago, and get the big high-paying job as a lawyer. And he thought that that was everything. But in the meantime, a woman appropriately named Grace, who was discharged from the military, well, she came into his life and came into this little town kind of by accident, and yes, they fell in love. What was beautiful about this movie is that their love was so solidified by the community of the town. She was just kind of passing through, so she thought, but she really fell in love with everybody. Her boyfriend said at one point, this is Rivers Crossing where people care. And we might think that this is impossible in the current time, but you know, maybe we start with our neighbor and go from there. Uh, Father Jonathan Meyer used to talk about that. You know, I think it's time to meet your neighbor, finally. So our Lord doesn't ask you all kinds of questions about them on one very big day. And uh, we'll start one at a time, and we'll begin to realize that there's still small-town community that can be very affirming and helpful, just like in the classic movie, It's a Wonderful Life. So I highly recommend both of these movies, especially in the modern era where the bishop's wife really is making a poignant statement 
about the clergy and uh, about how they have to lead, where the flock will be just scattered. And then in the a Veterans Christmas, first of all, a beautiful tribute to those that give their life in service to the military, and more so just the, the beautiful small-town family atmosphere that can be your hometown. However big, flower where you're planted, as Mother Teresa would say. So let's make it happen I said to my sister after watching The Bishop's Wife, I said, you know, I, I now realize how we had mom and dad and the kind of parents they were. When you see this movie and the simplicity of it all, you can see what a beautiful time it was in America and in the church. And the great news, the good news, is that we can make that happen all over again, one heart at a time, every day. That's what Christmas is all about. It doesn't have to be the good old days or a bygone era. No, these two movies will prove that good things are happening all around us, even on the big screen. Today, I think one of God's greatest gifts to us has been the new media. Not only are we hearing Catholic truth to the ends of the earth by way of the internet, but there's virtually alternative film industries popping up all over the place. And we are finally getting the truth on the screen for the first time. It's a good time to be living, ladies and gentlemen. Don't get downhearted. Don't you worry. The devil's going down, which is the other meaning of Christmas. Maybe you can be on that big screen. So now we'll go to back by popular demand. The Christmas show is all about storytelling. And I'd like to continue on in that tradition from the book, Time for Christmas. 101 Tales of Holiday Joy, Love, and Gratitude by Amy Newmark. Appropriate story for difficult economic times. The Angel Tree by Jeff Warner. We are not put on earth for ourselves, but are placed here for each other. If you are there always for others, then in time of need, someone will be there for you. My husband had left our family unexpectedly, and I was struggling to keep the roof over our heads. It was going to be the worst Christmas ever. After arranging my bills, there would be maybe $50 to left to spend on my three children. Never in my life had there been so little money for Christmas. I stayed up at night making a few gifts so that the space under the tree would not be so bare. My older son, Justin, 16 at the time, had told me weeks before that he did not want anything for Christmas. Justin had always been sensitive to our situation. He told me to spend whatever money I had on his brother and sister. This display of love from someone so young was extraordinary, and I was thankful for Justin's generous sacrifice. My middle child, Tristan, was only nine years old, and he was oblivious to our situation. Numerous times, Tristan mentioned that he wanted a portable CD player for Christmas. Fortunately, this particular item had dropped in price, and I would be able to afford it with the money I had scraped together. The week before Christmas, we went to a retail store to pick up some food items. My heart fell when I saw the angel tree, which had just been put up. It had been our tradition to go to this store, pick tags off the tree, and buy gifts for children in need. I wondered if I should have looked into getting the names of my own children on that tree. While I was thinking that, my younger children ran toward the angel tree. They had no idea how bad things were. Now they were going to ask to buy things for the children from the angel tree. If I was worried before, I was terrified now. How was I going to explain our situation without making them feel like Christmas was going to be horrible? As quickly as I could, I caught up with them. The youngest, Jerry, was only six, and she really did not understand the meaning of the tree. To her, it was just another Christmas tree. My oldest gave me a look of horror, knowing what was going to happen next. Tristan ran frantically around the angel tree, glancing from tag to tag, looking for something. 
At that moment, someone from our church walked up and engaged me in a conversation. She asked me what we were up to, and when I turned back around, Tristan was holding a tag. He was grinning from ear to ear. Look, Mom, I found it. I replied, found what, honey? His exuberance was overwhelming. This boy wants the same thing I want for Christmas, a CD player, so I choose this one. My friend was still standing in front of me, but quickly excused herself. I bent down slightly and told Tristan in an almost whisper, Honey, we can't afford to do the angel tree this year. If we buy a CD player for this child, I will not be able to get one for you. Tristan tilted his head and then looked me right in the eye. Mom, I don't need anything. Can we please buy the CD player for this kid? Every parent should have a moment of complete pride like that. I agree that if he wanted to give up his gift for this child, we we should do so. Through teary eyes, I helped him pick out a CD player and CD. We took the items to the desk where the toys were to be turned in for the angel tree. I let Tristan give them to the woman behind the counter. He was beaming as he said, Here is the tag and the gift. The woman smiled and said, Wow, thank you. You are our first donation this year. Tristan was proud to be the first donation. He did not seem the least bit concerned that he was not going to get his CD player. As it turned out, at the last minute, I was able to use a gift card I received from my company to buy gifts for all three children, including a CD player for Tristan that he would find under the tree Christmas morning. When we visited my brother's family for Christmas Eve that year, they gave him a CD player too. When we came home, someone had left gifts at our front door and Tristan received another CD player. The night of Christmas, Tristan's father dropped off a gift for him a new CD player. Tristan ended up with four CD players that year. He gave one to his little sister and one to his best friend. Ever since then, we have referred to this story as the parable of the CD player. Tristan is 23 now. He has maintained that the CD player Christmas was one of the best Christmases ever. What we give, we will truly receive. I learned from this the good heart of a small boy who was willing to sacrifice his Christmas for someone he never met, Michelle Jackson author. Well, I'm reminded of the scripture verse from Matthew 19, verse 29, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. And then there's Mark chapter 4, verse 20, and those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. 30, 60, and 100 fold. This is an age-old biblical concept, ladies and gentlemen. As one bishop said to me in California years ago, whatever you do not give away is lost. So in a sense, we're not advocating for socialism, okay? To all those people who think this is like, you know, the endorsement of Marxism. No, 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 no. It's all about the spirit of your giving and whether it's authentic and selfless. I'm reminded of the story of Abraham and Isaac in the movie Abraham. Abraham is telling Isaac to get the lamb that you love the most to use for your sacrifice. And wasn't that the CD player for this boy, Tristan? That's what our Lord is calling attention to. He's not trying to endorse a political system. And he's simply saying, give all of yourself and all your gifts and all that you most want to others and you give them to me, and you will have your return above and beyond what you ever could have imagined. This is what Jesus said. That's the meaning of this story and every other story where people are truly giving of themselves from the heart.
And God finds a way to reward that. And may he do so tomorrow night. When you find satisfaction in deep peace in filling up that empty stocking with a lot of love. This is WQPH Radio 89.3 FM. We'll continue on with our Christmas stories on the other side. I offer this for three special people. Julie, Marianne, and Megan, my holy shamrock, who have known God's mercy. May they offer that up to the Christ child tomorrow night. Chapter entitled, Tools for Life. A little wisdom underneath that says, A child enters your home and for the next 20 years makes so much noise you can hardly stand it. The child departs, leaving the house so silent you think you are going mad. (laughs) John Andrew Holmes. It was December when my father had to live the moment every dad dreads. Times two. I, with my bachelor's degree in hand, was officially and permanently leaving the nest for Connecticut. My sister, clutching her master's degree, was heading off to New Jersey to start her new life. And to make matters even worse, there was a longtime boyfriend waiting for each of us. Not only was my father losing both of his girls at once, he was losing them to other men. He had us hostage for the holidays, but after that, all bets were off. The clock was ticking. So that's the year he gave my sister and me the best presents we ever received. A pony? No. I'd given up on that dream years ago when he bought me a stuffed horse instead. A car? No, my father insisted the old Buick he procured from our elderly neighbor was a great car. Sitting underneath the tree on Christmas morning were two identical gifts my brother, muscles straining, pushed in front of his sisters. Large, slightly lumpy, and heavy enough to make me question what I'd do with a box of rocks. This is from your father, my mother said eager to redistribute the credit. With slightly nervous glances cast each other's way, my father does not do his own shopping. My sister and I tore open the paper to reveal 
toolboxes, just what every little girl at heart wants for Christmas. Open it, open it, our very own Santa announced gleefully, clapping his hands. So we did. Hammers, wrenches, nails, duct tape, tire gauge, tape measure, screws. The fun just kept coming, and he couldn't have looked prouder. We couldn't have looked more confused. Like your average girls, we dutifully oohed and awed over our loot and kept our eyes glued to the clearly detonated gap box under the tree. G-A-P. He did that all by himself, you know. Mom confided to us later when all of the crumpled wrapping paper had found a home on the floor and presents lay scattered about. It took him hours to pick all of that out. Suddenly it was clear, tightly packed into those cumbersome, clunky toolboxes, were all of a father's lessons in love. He may have been passing us on to other men, but his girls were going to be able to take care of themselves and always remember who it was in their lives that first built a foundation and always picked up the pieces and hammered them back together. Yes, my father gave me a tire gauge for Christmas, along with the forethought to avoid problems before they happen. A spare key holder and the knowledge that everybody's human and forgets their keys sometimes. A hammer and the strength to know that girls can swing them, nails and countless memories to hang on the walls, a toolbox, and all of the love and support to get through the good and the bad in life, no matter what's bent out of shape or broken. Thanks, Dad, for all the tools you've given me. Caitlin Q. Bailey, author. And for some reason, my mind goes to Father Chad Ripperger, who makes it very clear, in honor of this particular dad, that he still has authority over his daughters until they are married. That is Catholic tradition. All right, the next story, The Lady Who Lived Over the Hill. It was the first Sunday morning in December. My young children and I sat in our usual pew that we attended at Mass. Everything was normal until the handshake of peace, a ritual in which participants greet those around them. On this particular morning, an unfamiliar woman sat in the pew behind us. I can't remember what she was wearing, not even the color of her coat, but I do remember the kind look in her eyes as we shook hands and embraced in the sign of peace. And I remember the Christmas pin on her coat lapel, the very one that my aunt was now holding in her hand. My daughter had turned around to shake hands with the people behind us and had been fascinated by the Christmas wreath pin on the lady's coat. You like this, don't you? The woman whispered to Katie, pointing to the pin on her lapel. Katie nodded, her green eyes opened wide as the lady removed the wreath and gently placed it in her hand, carefully folding her little fingers around it. I thanked her for the gesture, but assured her, that it was not necessary to give my daughter the pin, even though she had admired it. However, the lady insisted, so I pinned it on my little girl's dress, and she wore it proudly the rest of the day. As the service drew to an end, I felt a gentle tap on my elbow. A soft voice whispered, Meet me in the parking lot when Mass is over. I have something for you in my car. Okay, I said, a bit confused. I had never seen this woman in my life. Look, Mom, the lady parked right next to us. One of my children shouted as we headed to our car. I drew in a deep breath when she opened her trunk and I saw that what was in it. There were exactly four presents, one for each of my children. They were so excited that they wanted to rip the gifts open right there in the parking lot, but I insisted that they wait until we got home. They thanked the lady and climbed into the car. I thanked her for her kindness and asked how she knew us and where she lived. Her eyes twinkled as she replied that she had seen us each week at church and that she lived over the hill behind our house. I was not aware of any homes over the hill, but maybe there was a new development in the area that I was not aware of. All the way home, the kids shook, squeezed, and passed their boxes around in the car trying to guess what was in them. When we pulled into the driveway, they raced inside to tear open their presents. I could hardly believe what was in them. How did this lady, whom we had never met before, know that I had no money to 
to buy Christmas outfits for my kids. How did she know their exact sizes and the right style and colors for each of them? The kids couldn't wait to try on their new clothes and I couldn't wait to find out who this lady was. So dressed in their new Christmas outfits, we all climbed back into the car and headed to the hill where she had told us that she lived. We arrived at the location but found no existing homes and no new construction anywhere in sight. We looked at each other, shrugged our shoulders, and then stared over the hill again. The children's eyes were big and their mouths wide open, but not a sound could be heard. My seven-year-old broke the spell and summed up what we were all thinking. Maybe she's an angel, he whispered dramatically in his husky little voice. After another brief moment of quiet, a chorus of soft sighs filled the car, and then silence all the way home. Still trying to find a logical answer to this mystery, I had the children write thank you notes, which we took to church the following Sunday, but our new friend was not there. I asked the people sitting around us if she knew the lady who had been sitting in the pew behind us the previous week. Not a single person remembered seeing any woman there at all. Not one. But she had been sitting behind us. She gave Katie her Christmas wreath pin. She gave each of my children their perfect Christmas outfits. And now we were sure we knew who she was. On the way home, we passed by the hill once again. I looked up and saw only a beautiful blue sky in the crisp winter air. I'm certain our angel had found her way back home, her earthly mission complete. Author Kathleen Ruth. So angels do exist, ladies and gentlemen, and they're often the people we barely notice. Take another look this Christmas. And may we finish with this beautiful poem by John Greenleaf Whittier that will inspire, I hope, a little bit in the empty stocking for WQPH Radio. What a wonderful apostolate and the wonderful people that work tirelessly. Mary Ann Harold leading the way behind the scenes. Who, by the way, could give you one great miracle story of 2023, a Christmas baby herself. So very blessed. The poem is The Joy of Giving. Somehow, not only for Christmas, but all the long year through, The joy that you give to others is the joy that comes back to you. And the more you spend in blessing the poor and lonely and sad, the more of your heart's possessing returns to make you glad. Merry Christmas, everyone. This is WQPH Radio 89.3 FM from all of us. Feliz Navidad. Let your light shine. That is what it's all about here at WQPH Radio 89.3 FM. But we need to hear your story. You want your voice to be his voice. That is making the faith known to others. Please, my number is 877-625-3727. Tim Kilcoin, TalkCatholic.com. St. Mother Teresa told us, your ministry is your work right where you are. Grab on to this microphone. God bless. <laughs>